and everywhere you look, blessings. Blessings, not pain, not curses, certainly not. We're redeemed from the curse of the law, and we'll talk about that today, but certainly nothing but blessings. Blessings like wine pouring off mountains and hills. I'll make everything right again for my people. They'll rebuild their ruined cities. They'll plant vineyards and drink good wine, work their gardens and eat fresh vegetables. I'll plant them, plant them on their own land, never again be uprooted from the land I've given them. God, your God says so. So your God says, amen, he says that you will never be taken by surprise. You won't ever, anybody ever, uh, uh, when you, certain kinds of news, it hits you, people say it's like a gut punch. How many of you still experience that when bad things happen, it hits you that way? Just raise your hand real quick. Okay. All right. So I'm going to touch this time. Amen. I break it in Jesus' name. Never again. That's not for you. Never again. That's not for you. It's not for the redeemed of God. Amen. Amen. There's no punch in the spirit. Never again. Anybody else had your hand up? Anybody else? Yeah. Praise God. Amen. Never again. Amen. Never again. Never again. Never again. Never again. In Jesus' name. It's not. It, 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 you know, it's something that Jesus has carried, taken already. He bore our pains, carried. Even surprise things are not to have that effect on us. And it's because of the resurrection power of God that resides in us and that resurrection power is like you know how they they go up to the the bodybuilder abs of steel see that's us spiritually speaking amen we have spiritual abs of steel so that the enemy cannot force pain on surprise because he's always well informed of what what you need he anticipates your every need and he prepares you to meet it to meet that need with an answer already so instead of your your spirit being open to be afflicted or your soul being open to be afflicted now you have spiritual muscle built up in you so when the enemy comes in like a flood he's already risen up a standard against that and it bounces right off amen because what that what that pain does is it keeps you aware of yourself instead of aware of him and his answer. So it's done to distract you from staying in the realm of faith and staying in the realm of, of um, uh, preparedness, confidence, assuredness, all that kind of stuff. It's to take you out of that and put you over in a realm of in uncertainty, insecurity, wandering, wavering, and then you got to wander your way back from where you, he got you off to. You understand what I'm saying? But in God, we should be able to continue on whatever journey or road he has us on. We should be able to continue on that unhindered. Praise God. Amen. Amen. See, we're redeemed which means we're purchased out of the power 
that used to give us trouble and used to keep us down. Amen. You've been bought back out of that by the most uh, priceless thing in the world. I mean, there's nothing that can, can buy the blood of Jesus to convince him to let you go back into the world. There's, this is irreversible. What's happened to everybody who's blood bought is irreversible. Amen. Cannot be taken back. I think when the enemy starts convincing people uh, to sin and convincing them to give up on God, it's because he convinces us that the blood is not what what he says it is. And your redemption is not really what he says it is. But you have a full redemption out of the devil's power. Amen. Whatever he is using against us, we are redeemed from it. It has no effect on us anymore. Amen. So we're invincible. We just have to more or less convince ourselves that that's true instead of the lies of the enemy. I mean, you know, there's a, a day and a time where we we got out of that system. And so we need to always mark that. Now, look, devil, on so-and-so year and so-and-so day. Some of us been so long ago, we'll remember. But, you know, I was purchased out of that. You don't own me anymore. You don't have any influence on me. You don't have anything to do with me anymore. So, Lord, we thank you for redemption. And we thank you, Lord, for giving us the power out of the devil's power. We thank you, Lord, for the dignity that your uh, redemption affords us, that uh, we can hold our heads up high in this earth as people who are redeemed and not subject to the rudimentary rules of this present age. And we can come to you, Father, for release. We can come to you for um, for um, uh, answers and for power, for everything that we need. So we do thank you that you have redeemed us and given us the same honor that you have in the earth, Father. And we thank you for that because it is a privilege, Father. From where we've all come from, it's a great privilege. So we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. You know, when I think about the word redeemed or redemption, I don't really think about um, the fact that we are purchased out of one power, but if you you could say in bondage to another one, because we are um yoked together with the lord so you're not free free you know to do whatever you desire but there there does come such a sense of freedom from oppression um what they call negativity uh bad energy you know all those crazy terms at new age because they don't know they don't know the spiritual realm but they can sense it to a degree but we we have a dignity down here in the earth even though we pe- we are people that humble ourselves to the lord we're obedient to god we are servants as well as friends amen we are his bride his beloved the one who's called to uh, stand with him in the things uh, related to the kingdom down here on earth we're ambassadors and representatives so there is a high calling but there's also this understanding that as long as we stay yoked with God, we enjoy that freedom. Got me? So freedom does have its requirements, and there are responsibilities that we have as redeemed people. We've been purchased out of one power, but there was a power that bought you. 
You got me? So you've got to stay yoked to the power that bought you in order to stay free from the power that had you oppressed. You got me? So it's, but you do have this sense of release in your life and this sense of freedom. But once you try to get too free in a natural sense, you'll start to feel that oppression again. You you understand what I'm saying? So there's a governing there. It's not necessarily a self-governing, but there is a sense that there's only so far we can go with this sense of freedom that we have. And once we get beyond those limits, there's that fear you'll be yoked up with the oppressive power again. See what I'm saying? That's why a lot of times people make fun of Christians. You mean you can't do so-and-so and and you got to do so-and-so? See, they put it, what we have is a freedom to choose good and evil, which they don't have. So they think doing evil all the time is freedom. That's what it seems like to the oppressed person, see. And you can't tell them that they're not free because they feel that because they don't have to do the things that they say you have to do. Amen. Well, really, we have to do them because we choose. We made a one-time choice to have to obey God, you know, in order to. I mean, there's great benefits when you do it. But you can't really just explain that to somebody who's walking on the outside of God's covenant. They have to come inside to find out certain things. You know, this is a faith a faith operation that we have with God. And so our redemption really means that we had no power whatsoever to purchase ourselves out of the power that we wanted to get out of. And that is the oppressive power of the devil. Now, why did you want to get out of that power? Because somehow light came in and you saw that power was no good. You used to think it was good because you had a little fun here and there. You had a little money here and there. You had a little job here and there. You had a little something here and there. But little by little, some force greater than the darkness started to shed a little light here and a little light there. Not enough to turn you off and blind you. But enough that you could question the darkness that had captured you. And see, all God has to do is get us to question something one time. And he's got us hooked. Amen. Because <laughs> he knows he's going to reel you. It's like people that we've led to the Lord. I mean, sometimes it takes a while. I had to realize when I was, a, you know, kind of a newer Christian, I just thought, you know, I, I had worked in sales. And we were always taught to close other deal and don't you dare let a customer get away without closing other deal now that's good on paper but good salesmen realized that you might have to work that client a few appointments before you could even present a close to them Like the difference between steps and formulas in your Christian walk versus relationship. See, you'll get this book, it says 10 steps to answer prayer. And you go through steps 1 through 10, you wonder why your prayer isn't answered. Well, they forgot to inform you that you were getting it from God who is alive 
and God wants relationship with you. So if you focus on relationship and not so much steps and formulas, you get the business. But if you only operate in steps and formulas and you got to close on every client right away, boom, and you wonder why it doesn't work, <laughs> amen, it's because you forget to acknowledge that person as a person. It's like it is, you know, like I say, when we lead people to Christ, you might have to make friendship with that person or have some kind of relationship with them. You just can't go up to them and tell them they'd go to hell if they don't accept Jesus and expect them to warm up to that. You got me? And so we learn, don't we? We learn that we have to, there's a relationship involved. There's all that. And that's why the Bible says God woos us. Amen. He hisses at us. Come here. Uh, if I could talk to bricks, Kev, talk to me, bricks. But you all got wooed into the kingdom or you wouldn't be here because this is a love operation. And so God has to show his love for us just like we have to show our love for those that we are leading to him or we expect them to warm up to God. And that is not to say you manipulate anybody. That is not to say you lie to anybody or you uh, false promise anybody or you use tact in diplomacy you got to use the anointing but but we get one over the bible says it's the goodness of god that leads men to repentance that includes us too he he over us with songs of deliverance and love so he's constantly wooing us into the kingdom and that's what allows him to be able to shut the door behind us what we walk once we walk in so we don't walk out again if we've been won over the right way to christ we don't ever slip back or we might some people might what we call backslide but they're not lost they're not forsaken and written off because just like you see them walk into the kingdom you see them walk away somewhere down the line god will find a way to woo them back again amen so that's what we believe in and so in order for us to come into the kingdom we have to be brought in through light through love through a a demonstration of god's goodness and his power all of that and in once that that occurrence happens where we say yes to god then that's when the drop is made and the purchase is made and we come out of the devil's power and we come into his marvelous light. And so it's it's that coming into the light and staying in the light is what salvation is. See, salvation is nothing if you don't stay in the light. You've got to stay in the knowledge of God. You've got to stay in the power of God. You have to stay in the goodness of God. You'll find many times people start walking with God for a season, then they disappear. And and it's because they have to learn now how to walk by faith and not just by feelings. See, they come to church, they feel good, everybody loves each other, you dance around, you have a happy time, you even get some word and all that kind of stuff, and then they go away and never come back again because they try to live out of that feeling. 
but eventually that feeling will develop into a hunger and then they'll realize hey something happened to me that was a permanent thing you got me it wasn't just and that's when redemption becomes real to people see it's got to be real to us or we can't live in the benefits of it so when you're purchased out of that power that means that that power cannot win you back i mean i don't care how bad you backslide how bad you sin what you do to the saints how many churches you tear up how many preachers you threaten if when once you've been redeemed from the power of the world then you are purchased out of that power and it has no more power over you it might deceive you for a while you get mad enough at the saints you go off and do something else and start talking ugly about everybody that was ever kind to you you know it can make you do some really uh, horrible things but that does not mean that that power owns you that power and see people eventually prove to themselves that god owns them because no matter how far back they go they can't get past that that door that blood door that blood sealed door that that shut behind you once you stepped into god's kingdom and stepped into his power because we've been purchased with the most precious commodity in the earth you know when you talk about buying stuff and bartering and and uh, owning things what you're doing is you're dealing in commodities that are worth certain things like if you buy a car uh, they charge you a certain dollar amount for it that dollar amount should be equivalent to what you're getting in that automobile or somebody's getting ripped off when you talk about bartering selling buying trading exchanging there has to be a a power that is superior to all that can call the shots on all the transactions see that's the blood of jesus because it calls the shots on all other transactions so that's why the devil can't break god's hold on your life i don't care how much people walk away from god how much sin they do any of that that power cannot be broken you can deceive yourself into thinking that you walked away from god you can deceive yourself into thinking that people don't uh people treated you so bad and your churches people are so bad and all this kind of stuff you can tell yourself anything you want to and other people can do that but you cannot break the fact that you are redeemed once you've been born again you have been purchased with the most precious commodity known to the universe that's heaven hell uh, heaven and hell and, and everything in between so that power speaks in all three realms and it speaks once this had transaction has been made there is no more claim on this individual soul period so the the thing we have to do as believers is go through life living like that and living like we've been purchased with and living free of the devil's power and living over that that realm that's always trying to suck us back in again so that's the challenge 
is to go through life as redeemed people knowing what has happened in our lives. So the word redeemed really means to sever, to ransom. It means to preserve and release. So once you're redeemed, you're preserved to the one who owns you. I don't care what happens, you're still preserved. It doesn't depend on your behavior. This is a transaction that's been made on your behalf pertaining to you that you don't have anything to do with. You just accepted it. So it comes as a package deal. So what your your quest should be is to find out what all is in the package. What's in my redemption portfolio? Amen. Everybody trying to get a portfolio. For some people, it's just an empty uh, manila folder. <laughs> huh? Where's your stocks and bonds? See, that's what we're digging into when we study the word. What is my redemption all about? What is it? What's my benefit? Okay, I know that I've been purchased out and purchased in, but what's the benefit to me? And that's that's where we live, in the middle of finding the benefit. So it means to preserve and to release. It also means to be the next of kin. Having the responsibility to set free. Anybody that's, that, that has family, and we all do, the next of kin are the people that you feel you know, I feel like this. Listen, I got a sister. I got nieces and nephews. If I need some, I know where I'm going to go. And y'all better take care of me, too. Because God don't like ugly. So that's next to Ken. See, I know how to perform on folk. That's why they don't mess with me. They say, what you need? Just don't do that thing that you might do, and I'm I'm good with you. But, see, that's what it means. It means that you know you can depend on them. They have a responsibility toward you and toward them. Amen. And so when God knits us together as a family in next of kin, that means that if you get into any kind of debt, trouble, anything, any need, any lack, any want, that next of kin person is the one that you naturally look to for help. Now I'm talking about naturally. Now we are supernatural people. And we, but we look to God as our next of kin now, and He brings others into our life alongside of us. There may be some, some blood family people that you can depend on that He puts in there to, to satisfy that need, and there may be other individuals that He puts in there to satisfy that. So Jesus as our kinsman redeemer is the one we go to, but He is, is he is is similar to anybody in our family that would be next of kin to us. So whatever you would, would depend on kinfolk for, you can depend on God even more. Because he has proven himself as our kinsman redeemer. Amen. The one the one who can put us back in right standing in our lives. In the book of Ruth, I mean that's that's the best example that we have of that. In the book of Ruth, you see a woman who married into a family. These people were, um, 
estranged from their homeland. So she really didn't know anything about Jewish law, Jewish tradition. She really didn't know if and she married had means, not means, because he was in a, a, a depressed situation in his life. So there was a famine in, uh, where was it, uh, Ephrata? Is that where they were from? I forget. Jude, uh, I forget where it is. But anyway, it was in, in the Jewish territory. There was a famine. They left there and came there just to survive. So she meets some some wayfarers who are just trying to survive. And she's in a land where people have some things, but they're all trying to survive. So they're all on an equal footing. She's surviving. He's surviving. He likes her. They get married. He dies subsequently but there's something about him and his family that she takes to so they really are her kin now and and she's got a choice to make she has blood relatives who are moabites that she knows about but then she's married into this family and they have a kinship as well so she has a choice to make as to which one she wants to follow And for some reason, the way they live has impressed her so that she decides she will follow the widowed mother-in-law back to her homeland. So she's been impressed somewhere in her spirit that she'd rather take her chances with an adopted family that she has, even though her husband's dead. So she does this by faith. Just something in her heart seems to take to this kind of lifestyle and she's willing to leave her old stuff behind but when she gets to to ruth's homeland she finds out that they were people of some substance and people of some means as a matter of fact the wealthiest man in that city now is the next of kin to her dead husband But she's already made a vow that she's going to go anywhere, so she's locked in. So what she needs to find out is what her next step is, because life so far has been pretty good. She can eat. She can work. She's in safety. She's around good people. And then she has to decide if she wants to make a real commitment to this. And that's what we all have to do. See, many times we look at the story of Ruth like she's some kind of broke, begging. But she's already dedicated. See, she's already committed. She's already, because she's promised Naomi, whether wherever you go out, your people is my people. You know, I don't want nothing but what you have. I want the life you have. I want the God you have. I want everything that you have, the life you have. She said nothing about money. She said nothing about wealth. She had not said nothing about anything. So just like Ruth, once we're redeemed and we're brought into the kingdom, we've got a package waiting for us. We don't know the contents of it yet. And see, God has to reveal to us the contents of that package of blessing that comes through our redemption. And we have no clue as to what all is included in that. So then Ruth goes down there, mother-in-law Naomi 
kind of guides her through what the Hebrew lifestyle is about. And at any point, Ruth could have decided, you know what, I don't like this so much no more. I've seen some nice looking young men my age running around the city. You know, maybe I could, but see, because she's redeemed already by her vow, she can't go anywhere. She's already promised before God that he will be her God. And so as much as she might be tempted to go elsewhere and do other things, God keeps drawing her back. Amen. Amen. To this Hebrew way of life that she knows nothing about. Really. But but the fact that we can get a little bit of it by faith is so pleasing and so satisfying that we're willing to risk to go all the way with God day by day. See, it's not like you decide one time you're going to walk with God and nothing bothers you about that walk anymore. The devil bug you every day to leave God. He'll show you something you don't like. So Boaz sees Ruth working there. And time goes by. See, we see it in one verse after verse after verse. But by the time Boaz decides that he wants to marry her and redeem her property for her. See, this idea that when you, you know, all these women, I'm away from my Boaz and ah, whatever. They don't even know what that means. Because you're not looking for a walking paycheck. See, you're not some broke somebody just waiting for a a man to come and make her wealthy. Ruth had wealth that was waiting for her. But she needed a kinsman redeemer to open that up for her. Just like us. We have wealth before. When you're a sinner, you're valuable. See, or Jesus wouldn't have died for us. So we're valuable already. Don't ever think of yourself when you were a sinner as stupid ignorant the worst thing in the world yeah you did bad stuff but i'm telling you if you weren't worth something he wouldn't have shed his blood for you he wouldn't have died for you and so ruth already had wealth waiting on her that's what we have whatever you get from god that wealth is waiting on you it doesn't depend on how much you give you know you need to be faithful to your own heart your own conscience in your but it you're giving you wealthy you would have to have been wealthy already see that's where we've been robbed by our teachers who teach us if we don't give a certain amount god's not going to do anything for you we'll serve a money god if it's not already laid up for you you won't get it so your obedience merely releases it to you in certain seasons when it's due you Whatever you have from God is laid up for you already. And you got to stay in faith for it to pull it out, withdraw it. Your faith might be you need to be faithful giving. Your faith might be you need to do more in your giving. Whatever it is. But you have to be faithful to be obedient to God and follow God to draw on that inheritance. And that's what they did with Ruth. Boaz watched her like a hawk. And it wasn't because she was fine and cute. She was a cute woman. Amen. 
She was a kinswoman. He's a man of integrity. So he's thinking about what he can do for her to help her life, not so much what she can do for him to be some kind of trophy or something like that. And so Ruth has to allow Naomi to guide her. She doesn't know what she's doing. And it's the same way with us. We have to allow the Lord and the Holy Spirit to guide us into our inheritance, guide us into the life he has, guide us into holy living, guide us into everything that we need. And so Ruth, in in the second chapter, she starts working in the field of Boaz. And so he he told her some gave her some instructions in verse eight. Then said Boaz to Ruth, um, "Don't hear, don't you hear? Hear me, my daughter." He said, "Don't go glean in another field. This is holiness, okay? These are rules of holiness. Don't go glean in another field. Don't go from here, but stay here by my maidens. In other words, I'm putting you in the same category." As the other women who work for me, he said, let your eyes be on the field that they reap and go after them. In other words, he's training her in holiness, training her how to live for him, how to work for him. That's no different than what we get in order to receive our inheritance. And so he tells her, uh, don't go. He says, when you when you're thirsty, Go to the vessels and drink that which the young men have drawn. Don't go someplace else because you're thirsty. In other words, don't let your needs cause you to wander away from here. And so she allows herself to be obedient to Boaz. And then she begins to do everything that he tells her to do. And he tells her something interesting. In verse 11, Boaz answered and said to her, It has been fully shown me all that you have done to your mother-in-law since the death of your husband and how you left your father and your mother in the land of your nativity and have come to a people that you don't know anything about. So what Boaz lets her know, he says, I know about you already. Isn't that what the Lord tells her? I know. He said, I know the thoughts I have for you. So Boaz, instead of looking at her like a typical maid, he looks at her like a near kin. She's elevated already just in the respect that he has for her and the fact that he has noticed her. And so he blesses her and says, let the Lord bless you because you are blessing your mother-in-law and you've come to trust her people, etc., etc. And so they have a short conversation there. Ruth continues to glean in the field of Boaz. And so Naomi then begins to speak to Ruth, and she begins to instruct her fully in how to receive her inheritance. And so Ruth goes to Boaz and uncovers his feet. We we all know that story. That That's something you do for a near kinsperson. That's not just some guy. You got me? Naomi instructed her when he goes to sleep, find out where he's working. He works late at night. Go down to the threshing floor, and when he goes to sleep, uncover his feet, and when he notices you, then listen to his instructions. That was a Hebrew ritual that only those who were in line for inheritance did. 
you didn't get that close to somebody, another man, unless you were a near relative of theirs. And so what that meant was that she had legal rights to be there and to perform that ritual. And so the Bible says that when Boaz, you uncover people's feet, if somebody took the covers off your feet in the middle of the night, what would happen to you? You'd wake up. Unless you drunk. Did you go to bed drunk? If you didn't go to bed drunk, you wake up. But that was a sign from God. Now, she could have said, went in and said, hey, get up. Where my money? I won't beat the bricks this time. But that was all it was. It was a subtle hint from God. If this is the man for me, and if this is, if what Naomi's telling me is right, and all of this stuff, this man is going to wake up like she says he would and notice me, et cetera, et cetera. And so Boaz does that, waiting for her to show up to claim her inheritance. Thank you. This isn't something where you got to convince somebody to marry you or some off the wall nonsense. It's already prearranged by God. That's what you want. You want to have confidence that God has the right person for you and your connection and your marriage is prearranged by him. Y'all better pay attention. I ain't thinking about y'all. I'm going to talk to the bricks again. But see, everybody waiting for something and don't know what they're waiting on. Right. Well, we if we got to park here for a couple of days, we just going to park here. Go to chapter 3, verse 1. Now, I talk rough, and if I feel like a man is trying to scam me, I get rough with him. But I'm still basically, basically, I am Ruth. And verse 3, verse 1, Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? See, Naomi knew that they were wealthy people back in the, back in the country. She's already tested Ruth. What did she do? She told her several times, go back, go back, go back. That's a test to see if her heart was involved in it. Or if she somehow suspected there might be some money on the other end. See, if you get a gold digger running around with you, you've got trouble. So Naomi even tests Ruth before they leave the land of Moab to see if her heart is in it. And when when Ruth makes that vow to her, then she understands. She said, well, this girl is claiming my God. So I'm going to let her go with me by faith and take her as far as she goes. Because at any time, Ruth could have messed up and Naomi would have dumped her, left her right where she got off on the wrong road. If she had violated any of Boaz's instructions on that gleaning field, she would have got left right out there. You understand me? So this is a test for her to see if she will make good on her word, your will be my God. Amen. That's all God wants is for us to stay true to him.
And so it's verse 2, and now it is not Boaz of our kindred with whose maidens you were. Behold, he's winnowing barley tonight in the threshing floor. Wash yourself, therefore, and anoint yourself. Not some kind of, uh, uh, I can't say that word, we in church. But you know what kind of bath I'm talking about. She's talking about because you've been, you're dusty, you're dirty, your feet dirty. Wash yourself off from work all day long. Amen. No hanky-panky here. And he says, she says, wash yourself and anoint yourself. Put on clothing and, and go down to the floor. But don't make yourself known to him. In other words, don't be getting all dolled up, flirting acting crazy, demanding anything, trying to tell him what you're going to do for him and he's going to do for you. You're not cutting no side deals. We're going to do this the way God says do it. And he says, don't make yourself known to the man until he has done eating and drinking. And it shall be when he lies down that you shall mark the place where he shall lie and go in and uncover his feet and lie down and he will tell you what you will do. And she said to her, all that you say unto me, I will do. Now, listen, Ruth ain't no, you know, you know what I'm saying. She ain't dumb. She she knows what happens when you get in the quarters, sleeping quarters with a man. But she has faith in her mother-in-law's words. This woman has told me the truth up until now. She's been good to me. These people live a lot different than what I'm used to. But she says it's going to work for me, and I believe it's going to work for me. And that's all God expects out of any of us. And he says, and she said, and when she went unto the floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law told her, and when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn, and she came softly, uncovered his feet, and they laid down. And it came to pass at midnight that he was afraid and turned himself now he woke up you know if he noticed his feet were cold and he startled himself and woke up and behold a woman lay at his feet and he said who are you she said i'm ruth your handmaiden he uh, spread thy for your skirt over thy handmaiden for you are a near kinsman and he said blessed are you of the lord my daughter for you have shown more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning Inasmuch as you have not followed, see, you've been watching her. You have not followed young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, fear not, I will do unto you all that you require. For all the city of my people know that you are a virtuous woman. Those are the only conditions on which he would marry her. It's important. Nobody's, I haven't heard any dirty rumors about you. Nobody's seen you out with younger men your age. You stay close to your mother-in-law. You're faithful over there helping her. So now I can, this is holiness. Now I see, I consider you worthy to carry my name and the name of your dead husband. And so Ruth gets the double blessing. She gets the inheritance from Boaz, what he has himself. And she also claims her dead husband's inheritance. So it's not like, and there was no other way she could get it. You can't just say, my husband died and I need his money. That wasn't the way it was done. 
somebody had to marry you make you legal make you a wife so that your brother's your dead husband's name would not be cut off he had to show honor to the dead in marrying you in order for you to receive your inheritance those are god's laws see it's like people who think just by confessing the word a lot you can get rich this is not true and those of us who have tried it know it ain't it don't work like that see there has to be holiness involved there has to be purpose involved there has to be uh, uh conditions that god set upon us that we live it up to in order to receive that redemption so ruth marries boaz you know the story she she's an ancestor of king david she was slated not only for material wealth but also for royalty and so as she marries boaz she receives all of her inheritance not just hers only but his as well because she is redeemed what redeemed really means is that there is never anything held against you in receiving what you need from god when you are purchased out of the power of darkness that means that your faith will work to get anything that you need from the hand of the lord you just have to work that relationship and put those things before him and walk hand in hand with him so that you can little by little receive what you need from him if you're if you're willing to do it like ruth did it not let your needs exceed your ability to receive you got me don't get ahead in your needs you know when it comes to spending money it's it's good to be a little late rather than a little early because early means debt a little late means that you're on time and you have god's assurance that he will pay it and you're not wondering and trying to wing it and this is all ruth was doing she was being put through her spiritual paces so she could develop holiness and faithfulness because god had bigger and better things for her yet she was to to birth royalty into the earth in order for that royal seed to grow up and, and be what god wanted it to be she had to know how to live for god during difficult times when they first came back to israel it it was it was tough that was the difficult times so she had to work and she had to work hard and she had to do it over and over and over again until she proved herself to god and boaz noticed her and he 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 judged her faithful to be his wife and to redeem their inheritance it was a very holy thing in in israel it was a, a disgrace for a man to sell his birthright that's why god said jacob i love even though he's a thief esau i've hated because esau didn't consider his birthright worth anything so this was very important what they were doing they considered the fact that they were redeemed people of utmost importance and extremely extremely valuable so i say all that to say christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law which ruth lived that out nothing there was never a bad report about her life there was nothing about she ran out of money and hit a famine and had a disaster she lived um in dignity she lived comfortably sumptuously all the days of her life there was nothing bad that ever happened to her they were a family of renown all of the descendants of ruth 
and Boaz were people of renown in the nation of Israel. And so God has that for us. We we are known spiritually as people of renown. You don't feel like it all the time, but that's true. Heaven and everything in the earth, above the earth, and under the earth knows who you are as a child of God. As a redeemed of the Lord, you are known everywhere. You just have to exercise your dominion and your authority in all of those places, and you start to reap the benefits of it. But the devil knows you're stronger than he is. That's why he's always trying to get you to think you're not. He knows that you have all power over everything he does. That's why he's trying to fight you at every turn, to keep you from using that power against him. And so once you understand what your redemption has bought for you and how it sets you in a different place than you've ever been in your life before, you're in a different place than the average sinner. You're in a different place than the Christian that doesn't even know they're redeemed. See, this is how this is how you get into them difficult conversations with people you think know God just like you know them. It's because you know who you are. You know that the devil has no power over you. And you know that the only thing you can he can do is convince you to let go of that power over him and see if he can trick you into letting him get away with what he wants to get away with. But God's not going to let it go any further than that. God will even come and rescue you sometimes in, when you get ensnared in your trouble that you got yourself into. Why? Because redemption means that you are purchased, you're released, and you're also preserved. So when God preserves you, he preserves you intact. He preserves your holiness. That's why you can claim a sevenfold return when you catch the devil stealing. Because everything that he has given you is preserved too. He can't say your life is preserved and then let the devil pick you apart and steal everything. He has to preserve what you own as well. He preserves what you love. Whether he loves it or not. You got me? (laughs) Some of your in-laws and outlaws. You know, some of them 'er ne'er-do-wells in your family. The fact that you love them makes God obligated to whatever you pray on their behalf. He has to do it for you. Look at look at Abram and Lot. Like that, talk about a, a a a dumpster fire on the way to happen. That's what it was from the beginning. God let Abram take Lot with him until Abraham decided Lot was too much trouble and cut him loose. You understand what I'm saying? And so, anything that you want to drag along, so to speak, that that you love, that you want to help. God will help them. You got me? It doesn't matter how you came into contact with them or knowledge of them. God will help those people. And you'll get to the point you'll understand what God really has in mind when he calls you redeemed. But when you're redeemed, you will find that your your love and your prayer will redeem many other people as well. So you are blessed in order to be a blessing. So Galatians 3.13 tells us Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us we're not redeemed from obedience to the law but we are purchased out of the penalty of breaking the law 
so that when you sin, instead of going to jail, amen, you get an advocate. You get a free lawyer. Amen. And and Jesus will come to bat for you and he will intercede for you to get you to the place where you're free of the penalty. Amen. So if if you understand what what the penalty does, it will hold you in bondage again until you realize you've been freed from it. It's like people that, you know, you make a mistake and you don't want to make a mistake again. And then you're careful about what you do and you're cautious and you don't move out as boldly as you used to because you remember the last time you moved out, it didn't work out too well for you. Well, Jesus redeemed you from that. He doesn't want you holding yourself in the penalty box because you're redeemed from the curse. What are you in the penalty box for? You don't get punished for your mistakes. So what you do is you wind up punishing yourself until you understand what redemption is. I'm going to say it again. See, what we do, God wants us to move out uh, quickly, immediately. The same way he would move on our behalf. He, when he would go places, a disciple, well, you can't go there because the last time you went there you did, and they try to hit, he said, oh no, I gotta go through Samaria. I got business to do down there. See, if he felt like it was something he did wrong that caused him trouble the last place he would, he would hesitate. But he fought them off and he said, I gotta go through there. That's the way he wants us to live. So when you make a mistake serving God, he wants you to forgive yourself immediately, shake it off, and just get up and go do the next thing he's moving on you to do instead of sitting in a penalty box because you think you messed up the last assignment. See, if we can get out, rid of that, we could accomplish a lot for, for God. But see, we let the, the, see because we are redeemed from the curse. It can't get you anymore it can't hold you back it has no power over you but you got to live like that that's why saints are always criticizing each other's behavior because we're all trying to if somebody's in the penalty box they will pull somebody else in with them so they look for something wrong on somebody else so they can pull you down there that's religion that's why you hate it, and that's why I hate it. But in order to live like you hate it, you got to live free from that and be willing to. What does Samson do? They said he went down and slept with a prostitute and got up and shook himself off. It ain't that funny, Sheree. No, I'm messing with you. She got it. You understand what I'm saying? And he went back and he was a strong. Now, if he can do that with the life he led, and he wasn't even under the new covenant, we're redeemed people. You know what Samson probably lived off of? His mother and father making intercession and sacrifices for him. Huh? 
as long as he can get up and shake himself off and his strength came back mom and daddy was on the job your kids do it too that's where they get their little confidence from huh why because they're redeemed as long as they know the sacrifice and the intercession is being made they're good to go that's why their faith works better than yours so you need to tell them drop a prayer for mom today you should get something back off your investment but redeemed people don't live in the penalty box you don't live in the condemnation of your past sins you confess them to god you're contrite and you're sorrowful and you do try not to do it anymore you don't take it for granted your conscience won't let you take it for granted huh like paul says should we sin so that grace prevails <laughs> god forbid you your mind don't even work like that that's the proof of that is you feel bad when you do sin that's why you throw yourself in the penalty box but redeemed people are cut loose immediately when they confess you know we sometimes we make fun of catholics with their rosary but we got spiritual rosaries we hang on to huh stuff we try to do to pay for it knowing you can't pay for it so yeah you feel bad and yeah you should but you don't stay there once you once that blood cleanses you you're up and at it again amen not sitting there wondering trying to punish yourself so so we are redeemed from the curse of the law we're not redeemed from obedience to god's word not obedience to the law the old testament law but obedience to god's word and that's we got two commandments love god first with all your heart soul mind and he gives you the power to love your neighbor as yourself you love your neighbor as yourself out of god's power you're not trying to prove to god that you love people he knows if you do or not so you do the best you can until they get on your last nerve and then you repent i mean am i the only person lives like that well it may not be the same thing exactly but you know what i'm talking about some of us have longer nerves than others mine just have always had a little short fuse i don't know maybe maybe y'all got more fuses than i got (laughs) you know what i'm saying but i love everybody now don't get me wrong don't get me wrong (laughs) so to be redeemed also means to be purchased out of slavery the law of sin and death is the law of slavery romans 8 chapter 2 it says here there's in verse 1 there is now therefore no condemnation to those which are in christ jesus if if to you that means being free from sin then so be it but you can just as you step out of being in christ you can step back in through repentance you got me 
So you can take this to mean obedient people, disobedient. You can always get obedient again. Who walk after the, not after the flesh, but after the spirit. That doesn't mean you do everything perfectly. That means you want to. To walk after something means to desire it with your whole heart. Amen. And so it says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So you have to live in that law pursuing the things of the spirit. And that frees you up from the law of sin and death. You know, you can tell because when you come to the end of pursuing God and walking with God and, and feeling peaceful and worshipful and all that, and you get back into your doubting mind. <laughs> And you let the devil start messing with you in that. Amen. You you can prove, because while you walked with God and was in that atmosphere of praise and feeling good about things, that thing didn't bother you. So you were free from it, and you didn't even think about it. You didn't think about doubt. You didn't think about anything like that. Fears or going to happen next or you didn't even it didn't even come to your mind so you prove to yourself that you're free from the law of sin and death because you don't fear anything you're not careful about you're not cautious you're not afraid if you make a mistake what god's going to do to you you got me and so you prove that to yourself all the time so that will work for you continually Sometimes we think, man, I wish I could stay in that place all of you can. Just takes practice. Amen. But the fact that you want to prove your redemption. Amen. You know the perfect place for you is in the spirit of God. Amen. So it has freed us from the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death kept us trying. Redemption gives us a knowing that we can. That whatever God commands of us, we can do. Amen. The pathway to love is always forgiveness. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Things of that nature. Very simple things that we can do and be assured that we are right with God. Amen. So we're purchased out of the slavery of the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death is temporal was temporary when god instituted it it was temporary because it was there until the time that the savior the redeemer came amen in genesis chapter three he told adam and eve that that you would be under the curse but i will bring a son come through you who would break the devil's head and that's what happened at calvary the law of the the law of sin and death was permanently broken it was temporary anyway and so the time would come when it ended and it will not outlast the law of the spirit of life in christ jesus that's why when people step off stupid get back their old habits again they can always come back to god you know i mean whether they're saved or not because we don't know what kind of obedience and knowledge God's holding them to. So always hold out the grace that God will forgive them and reinstitute them and show them mercy. I don't care how despicable they are. 
you know they can be doing you wrong and everybody else wrong and then you'll see the mercy of god show up and help them why because he wants them helped if you've ever prayed a prayer for somebody hold on to that prayer because it's still good it's it's not canceled because they get stupid huh some people like stupid god has to change their likes so you got to give god a chance to change what they like you know we can't judge god's standards he said i'll be merciful to whoever i want to be huh i don't need to ask you so all we need to learn is how to roll with god and what is he telling me to do what's my responsibility here god is ever merciful the bible and linda that means that you don't have to earn nothing <laughs> he can give you your your blessing on credit everybody likes that <laughs> amen so our souls have been ransomed it that god has paid a high price for your mind for your peace of mind for your ability not to be tormented by the enemy anymore he's paid a high price for that why because that was your inheritance anyway you're only receiving what he's had laid up for you from the foundation of the earth oh 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 okay i got it and somebody must believe that their obedience is earning them stuff and your seed you so is earning you something well he gives seed to the sower so the seed ain't yours it's his quit quit working so hard for nothing you, you hear me quit see if we learn how to receive instead of work we'd have more you know people who taught us prosperity and faith and all that they really ain't working for what they get now they'll put you under the bondage of working for it but if i was to look out of here and see a hundred thousand people sitting in my audience i'm rich already all i got to do is get a nickel off each one of y'all i'm gonna talk to the bricks see they're under a different rule than we are we all have the same god preaching out of the same bible but somehow mine don't work like that How come they get the big end all the time? We get the skinny end. Just asking. Just asking. We keep buying their books, giving and partnering. That's too quiet. I'm a. I don't want to burst nobody's real bubble here. But I'm telling you, if you don't believe it's already laid up for you, you're going to be pulling, struggling, fighting, 
clawing, correcting yourself every five minutes. Am I confessing enough? I'm confessing long enough. I'm confessing too little, confessing too long. What did I do wrong? Must be sin in the life. I got to get this straightened out. Where they just seem to sail on. No problems. Faith works like clockwork. I got my faith in the same God they do. Why don't mine work like Yours it does. You just got to believe more is laid up for you. See, the people teaching us believe they got millions laid up. Huh? And we struggling to get bills paid still. Believe for more. Believe you have more laid up for you. Believe for whatever is in your heart to believe and don't let the devil talk you out of it. When you're redeemed, it's laid up already, folks. You're just withdrawing as your faith allows you to withdraw. Let your faith work for the millions. Let it work for another digit. Let it work for more. Amen. When you start crossing thresholds of faith in a financial realm, you you might have to get fought back a few times. But keep believing. It's like anything else you believe for in God. It's there for you. But you got to quit backing up when you get to the threshold of really believing for it. You got me? Because the devil don't want you to have it. Because if you keep going to that threshold, he knows you'll get in there and you'll take from him. Then he's going to have a hard time getting it back. See, this is the problem. When we get something and we understand God gave it to us, we have divine protection over it then. Then God guards it for us. And so the devil knows that once you get it in your possession, if he don't talk you out of it before you get in that door, he knows it's gone forever. And if too many of you, like you, start to doing that, he's really sunk. Huh? See, instead of letting our teachers teach us to be under works where this is concerned, we need to be redeemed and be under an inheritance and just continue to love God and receive our inheritance by faith. See, we pick up works. <laughs> uh-huh. Instead of living by faith. And turning our faith loose to receive everything that we need. You just got to go get in your word and find it and find a plan between you and God and start receiving. You know, just live for God every day. You don't have to make a ritual out of praising God. Oh, let me get up so I can praise him so I make sure I get enough praise time. We've all been there. Come on now. And if you ain't going, that's your next stop. I decree it. Because we all got to stop by that legalism thing. Just to get your mind clear of the funk. Huh? Of legalism. Huh? And I won't sing, so y'all don't have to worry about me singing a song. Whatever. Don't cheat me out my song. But you know what I'm saying. You, you... There are certain certain things built, strongholds built into our thinking 
we got to challenge them and cast those things down so they don't bother us anymore. So you got to conquer those mental strongholds. And if somebody's got millions and they sit up and tell you, you know, I'm going to give you six steps to getting wealthy. And get See, it's best best to know God. You understand what I'm saying? He's a good God. He's your heavenly father. He looks at us and say, well, would you do that to your kid? Well, if you being evil wouldn't do it, why you think I'd do it? And I'm good. All the time. To everybody. He says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You need to declare your redemption. See, now, God, you know what? I'm not getting under this bondage of steps and formulas and ten steps to this, seven steps to that, and i got to go through all these steps. I mean, it's good to know scripturally how to proceed in the things of God, but you don't do it in a legal fashion. If it's real and it's God, you can hide it in your heart, and those things will start to come up out of you, when you have a need or when you pray or whatever it is. We just have to learn how to not let the enemy talk us into some legalism again and hold on to the fact that we are redeemed. Lord, I thank you that I am redeemed from the curse of the law and having to be penalized when I do something wrong. Man, you get to paying off your own debts. You're in bad trouble. God paid the worst one. Now we're going to go and pick up and start paying little little chump change. If you could do so much, why don't you redeem yourself from the powers of hell? So cut it out. You ain't paying for nothing. And your little obedience ain't buying you nothing. There's <laughs> a little widow Throwing in her little money, you know, Pharisees go, oh, get out of the way. Let the big givers get up there. and Get out the way, little crazy woman. Uh-huh. And Jesus says she gave more than everybody up here. He said, all y'all snakes and vipers, you ain't nothing but a bunch of thieves. Buying up all the old people's property in the church. Throwing them out. Putting them in a COVID nursing home. it's rough out there when you don't know you're redeemed so when we're redeemed we need to say so need to remind yourself no devil i'm not under that bondage anymore taste not touch not handle not do this do that do the other can't have this can't have that We are to say we are free. We are to say we are healed. We are to say we are children of God and heirs with Christ of all things that pertain to life and to godliness. If you want to put a number on it, that's between you and God. Just declare how much you got and start to act like it and draw from it. Amen. You need to know that when you're redeemed... There is an immediacy in God's heart 
to bless you tremendously there's there's like an immediate he has like what time how much time do i have nine nine all right let's go lord lord like i've been going where you at you better catch up sister but but this immediacy turn to matthew 27 we'll go there There's always tomorrow. Come on, yeah, the sun will come out tomorrow. Whatever. <laughs> Matthew, what I say, 27? Okay. See, the immediacy regarding our redemption is like God just couldn't wait to get here to get us. You understand what? And this is what, this is, you have to keep his heart What's in his heart? He's not giving us things grudgingly. He's not reluctant to do it's given already. It's the penalty's been paid, the price has been paid. If it don't turn you on that the price is paid, then know the penalty is paid in case you can't believe the price is paid. Matthew chapter twenty seven and verse let's go down into the fifties. 45 now the sixth hour from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land to the ninth hour i mean pitch black and about the ninth hour jesus cried with a loud voice saying and i can't say that i could but i want to stop my god my god why have have you forsaken me some of them that stood there when they heard that said he called he's calling for elijah straight away one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink the rest said let be let us see whether elijah will come to save him jesus when he had cried again with a loud voice yielded up the ghost and behold immediately after he gave up his life the veil of the temple was torn in half from the top to the bottom supernaturally and the earth did quake and the rocks shook and fell apart and the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came up out of the graves after his resurrection so they were they woke up when he died and didn't walk around until he was raised totally from the dead after three days so here you got a city that's got tombs where rocks had been in front of them all the stones are rolled out from in front of the tombs and they look in and see granny walking around there inside and get scared and run back home because see immediately when the ransom was dropped they were set free see the grace and that's what god wants you to know immediately when receive him you are redeemed and you go free you don't have to wait for a deliverance class for somebody to come and cast the devil out of you for you to be free you're free the devil's lying to you and telling you you can't be free until somebody comes aboard and gets you free you're free already when lazarus when jesus opened lazarus's tomb he told those standing by to unwrap the grave clothes off of him why do you have to tell them that? 
because most people want to keep them on you. You ever been in an assembly of Christians and they inspect you, look you over and wonder what you do? And if he, looking for you to get in and for you to mess up. He said, no, don't you. And Mary and Martha had already said, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. Martha didn't want him out of the tomb. So it's normal for people on the outside to not want outsiders in. They don't want to let you in. That's why Jesus said, don't y'all hold people in bondage you let them great clothes off of them in other words i've already set them free i'm testing you to see how you treat the new convert i'm testing you to see how you treat the weak it's your job to let them free and don't bind them up anymore it was a rebuke to the people standing by he wasn't asking them to help him out lazarus didn't need their help the big job had been done already. Jesus said, I want them to stay free. I've set them free. It's up to you to let them stay free. So when you're redeemed, you come out of bondage. You are free. And don't let any devil in hell tell you you're not. Well, you know, you can't stop sleeping around now because you're young. Like David said, I've been young and now I'm old. And I wouldn't have made it if I didn't know about redemption. Amen. (laughs) Everybody going to be young and stupid. But when you're young, you can live for God. Don't take age to. And you know y'all have seen old Mac daddies and hoes and why done seen them too. So age don't guarantee you holiness at all. Oh, excuse me, Sister Vicki. <laughs> huh? But it's the truth. Oh, excuse me, y'all. I'm sorry. I was, Miss Vicki doesn't know me. <laughs> she thinks I'm a nice lady. <laughs> I don't know how, but she does. But anyway, you know what I'm saying. Age don't guarantee wisdom. Amen. That has to come another way. Not just we're getting gray, but it comes another way. So when we understand that God has set us free, period, no adds to it. Set you free if you read the word every day. If you don't get back in them them hell holes you came out of, you're free from the hell hole. If you go back and God sent you, it's to free somebody else up out of there. That's why the devil always keeps wanting to keep you in a little closet somewhere so you can stay holy. Closet don't make you holy. God does. And he puts holiness in us so we can take it to other people and give them the same thing that we got that set us free. See, once you know you've been purchased out of that power, I mean, the high price was paid for us, folks. Highest price in the universe. God didn't start off cheap and let us work ourselves up to the best. He started out with the best, period. And when he brings things in to us, it's also the best quality. You know, I look at what some of these preachers have done with the fame and the money and the all of that that God gave them. I thought, am I chopped liver? What? 
How do you get all that? You knew he was going to mess it up, Jesus. He said, I don't have second best to give to anybody, even if I know they're going to mess it up. Then I thought, there's help for me. (laughs) I counted that as something in my favor. Amen? Because you need a God on your side like that. Why don't we stop? Father, thank you for your word, and we thank you for everything that you do for us. Thank you, Lord, for redemption. Thank you, Lord, for the spirit of Ruth that is so committed to you that she did not turn back. She kept going straight forward in obedience to you, not looking for anything, not looking for money, not looking for somebody to take care of her, not looking for anything. She was a hardworking woman, and you gave her rest. And so we thank you, Lord, that as we labor to enter into that rest that you've given us, Lord, we know that we are well taken care of. Everything that we desire and we need is there, and it comes from you, and we're so thankful for it. Lord, I I pray especially, Lord, for people who need your healing touch today. Lord, we see reports of so many people in our government uh, being diagnosed with the corona, but we thank you that there is a cure. And we declare them all cured in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for uh, Chrissy Teigen and her husband, John Legend, who suffered a miscarriage this week. Father, all these people are social media putting them down and not giving them any kind of consideration. Father, I divorce them from negative words that are hurtful to them, even in their condition. I say they will look up and trust you, Father. That they will look out for you and they will look to you for healing. Send labors toward them, Father, who can offer a healing word from your throne to them, Father. Give them special understanding, special help. Put people around them who will nurture them and help them to get back to a state of health and well-being. That they can live again, that they can smile again, that they can hope again. I thank you, Father, for all people who are bereaved that you would send a healing word to them and encourage them. Just heal broken hearts, bind up wounds, send the anointing that does all of that to them right now, Father, we pray. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. All right, let's say our confession. I don't have Rona, and she don't have me. I can't get Rona, and she can't give me. Thank you, Lord, that by your stripes, I am healed, I am redeemed, I am immune, and I thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, and praise God, amen again. It is so decreed, amen, 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 praise God.